Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hi, Beth. Hi, Jenna. You got a little fuzz on you. Mm. Thanks. Thanks for always looking out. Just us today. Just us. Like the good old days. It's been a while. It has. But I've loved the past few episodes. Me too. Father Tim was so great. He's the best. Sarah was so great. (laughs) She was. Who else? I can't even remember. The bishop. The bishop. I'm still so touched by that episode. I'm curious what your favorite episode was. Ooh. Please tweet at us. Tell us so far. I love that. I love Twitter, as I say in the outro. (laughs) So I just want to talk to everyone on Twitter. It's so true. So Beth, what have you been thinking about lately? Oh, what have I not been thinking about? What are you about? not thinking about? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Almost nothing. <laughs> um, you know, I've just been thinking how funny life is. It is. Truly. How it, it ends up so differently than we planned for it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. In so many ways. And you and I were chatting about this. Like there are the big obvious ways that we've been surprised or that God's plan has unfolded differently, even than we've prayed for or asked for. But it seems to be a theme in my life, and I think in yours too, that we really haven't seen some big things coming. Yeah. Big good and, and big hard. Mm-hmm, totally. I have a question for you. Are you more of a planner or more of a go with the flow? Go with the flow. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, I'm actually... <laughs> I'm actually going to retract that statement and say that I am a planner, but then when I get to the plan, I decide I don't like the plan and then I go with the flow. That's interesting. Yeah. Can you give an example? (laughs) For sure. For sure. Okay. So I had always planned to be a special ed teacher. Oh, yes. From the time I was in kindergarten, Mm -hmm. literally five years old, volunteering in the special needs classroom. It was my first job. I worked for a summer camp, like a day camp with special needs kids. For years, it was totally my heart. I declared my major on the first day of college. I never wanted to do anything else. And then I I got to my student teaching year and I thought, huh, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do that. No way. <laughs> yeah. And I became a youth minister. Wild, right? So strange. Yeah. I was like really committed to a plan. And then I definitely never taught in a classroom. Yeah. That is odd. Right? Like I never had a plan. Okay. I've never had a plan about anything in my life. Wow. Tell me about that. That's it. What's like the greatest example of you not having a plan and doing something? So I never had any motivation to do anything. Okay. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> okay. So I don't know what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Is it because I didn't have a plan that I wasn't motivated? Is it that I was never motivated? So I never made a plan? Fascinating. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. But... I guess like the most obvious thing to me is that I was just kind of floating from job to job. My husband and I got married and then we got pregnant four months later. And I said to myself, self, probably time to go get a real job. Hmm. Even though I didn't have a degree, I had nothing kind of like pointing me in one direction, you know? Yeah. So I just decided to go to the local medical trade school and I said, hey, I'd like to sign up for the nursing program. And they said, well, that's going to be a two-year wait. And I said, oh, that's unfortunate. I said, what's the program that's coming up next? 
And they said, respiratory therapy starts in two weeks. I was like, great, sign me up and be a respiratory Come therapist. On. So where on my children. Well, don't. Two weeks later, wow. I went to the current job that I was at. I was nannying for three sweet, sweet boys. And the mm -hmm. mom was amazing. She taught me so much. But I went to her and I said, hey, I have to give my two weeks notice. She's like, was this planned? I said, no, literally, <laughs> this was the program that was coming up next. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to go be a respiratory therapist. So that's like my biggest example of something that I never planned. And mm. I just went for it. And you were great at it. And you loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Basically, a door opened. It and did. you walked through it. It sure did. Yeah. I like it. That's so funny that you're like the direct opposite, like having a plan and then not wanting to execute it. Or like, what is that? I yeah. know I'm actually kind of still thinking about that. Like, yeah. what is that about me? This I'm I'm like that in prayer too. Mm. Like I I want to know. I so want to know. And then I sometimes like get to know, and I'm like, mm, no thanks. What do you mean? Give me an example. I think this was sort of a, a theme actually of my recent five day silent retreat was just freedom, spiritual freedom. And there's something in me that thinks I want God to tell me what to do because I want to do the right thing. I want to know the right answer. I want to follow his will, you know, but ultimately I think the more important thing is to feel free doing the thing that God calls me to do. Mm. I think I sort of anticipate that it's going to be something I don't want to do. And then I'm surprised when I'm like, huh, yeah, I kind of want to do this. And he's like, great, let's go do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's different. I think it's kind of like a, a slave or a, a servant mentality that I'm like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I'll do the right thing. But really, I'm like, I'd rather do it together and do it in freedom. Do you still want to know the thing? Oh, always. <laughs> always want to so know the thing. So it's just a posture while you're doing the thing. I think so. I think it's that I want to know the thing, but then I want the freedom to choose the thing. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah, that makes sense. I don't even understand myself right now. Hopefully a listener does. <laughs> Can you please tweet at closer to she two underscores, please? If you have any kind of apology. psychological <laughs> diagnosis for Beth Davis. It would be so helpful, I think. Mm -hmm. I think I'm doing okay, though. Here we are, you know? Here we are. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I think the same not having a plan thing applies to your marriage. <laughs> My not having, yes. Yeah. Not mm -hmm. having a plan. Right. We're very committed to our ways of doing things, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, I when I was personally blogging for those four years or whatever, I wrote so much about how I wasn't motivated in anything in life. And I was like waiting. I was constantly searching for what it was that was my thing, what it was that Jen Fulweiler talks about that in her book. Yeah. One Beautiful Dream about that blue flame. I always wanted to know what that blue flame was for me in my life. And I know that that's not for everyone. Mm. Some people aren't constantly searching for it like I was, but I was. I don't know what that is in me that I was like always wanting to know what it was. But I, I think once I found it, once, once I found my place in Blessed Is She, that's when I, for the very first time in my life, became motivated mm -hmm. to do anything. And I mean, that's not true. I'm, I'm being hyperbolic. I mean, I loved sports. And so I always like yeah. worked hard in sports. Oh, I was yeah. motivated in that way, like as a young person. But I just mean like as an adult, not really knowing um, my vocation in terms of a job. 
More maybe like a passion. Yeah. Or a purpose. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. I thought cloth diapers were my purpose. Mm. It didn't work out. Okay. Mm -mm. I do love them. You had a higher purpose. (laughs) I did. Yeah. Higher than cloth diapers and a cloth diaper blog. I know that comes as a surprise. (laughs) Blessed is she, cloth diaper blog. Which one do we go with here, Lord? (laughs) I think Mike was really grateful once I found Blessed is she, because for a long time, he was very patient with my cloth Mm. diaper blogging. He was like, Jenna, another cloth diaper. Then Blessed is she came Isn't it crazy, though, how the Lord uses all of those things for good? You know what I mean? Those things that we see as like near misses or failures or like close, but not quite. All of, <laughs> totally. that, all of that is used in the next thing. So I've thought this many, many times in terms of my history working with special needs students, which has blessed me immeasurably in my life and also just like totally lights my heart up. Yeah. But the classroom management that I learned studying education was invaluable as a youth minister. Theater and speech and debate, what I did in high school and college, gosh, even junior high, all of that helped me to be a more effective presenter. Mm -hmm. So he used all of these things. I could look at it as like, what happened to that thing? I was wasting my time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or like it was unfulfilled in some way. Like I don't do community theater now. I never like went out and like tried to make it, whatever that means. But the Lord was really using all of that for this. And he's using this, I'm sure, for something later, you know? So I think we have to be very careful when we assess our past. I don't know if I was telling you this recently, but I was talking about how I never quite found my place when I was blogging about my family and blogging about cloth diapers and and blogging about my lack of motivation or how I struggled as a mother. I never quite found my place in the Catholic blogging world. Catholic bloggers were really specific niche at the time. And I always felt like an outsider to them. They all seemed to really be amazing moms and loved their vocation and loved liturgical living and still do. And a lot of them still write about that. And it's beautiful. But I felt like I never quite fit in with them because I was different than that. And I remember once Blessed She kind of started being a real thought once I really started nailing down, okay, what am I going to do next to really start Blessed Is She? I reached out to those Catholic bloggers who I never quite felt I was one of. And they're yes to this, even though I never quite was one of them. But we all were able to bring all of our different aspects of how we view life or how we view our relationship with the Lord. And we're all able to come under Blessed Is She and, and do this thing together, even though we were different. And I don't know. I just think it's funny that I always felt like an outsider. Yeah. And then, and I still do again in some ways because I do feel like I really struggle. And I'm sure a lot of women do and maybe just don't voice it as much, but just struggle um, with being a wife and being a mom as like not my sole passion in life. Yeah. So I, I think it's interesting to hear you talk about it not being your sole passion, looking for your blue flame outside of that. Whereas for me, my experience has been that I always felt that a vocation to marriage, to be a mother, would be my blue flame. And who knows, maybe it still will be. But it's interesting that this thing that I've been waiting for and hoping for and praying for and hasn't been the blue flame just yet. I haven't been able to follow that. And I found so many other beautiful Mm -hmm. passions and outlets. And, you know, most of all, (laughs) 
I'm grateful that the Lord didn't give me that in my younger years on a good day. I'm grateful for Mm. it because I do think it meant too much to me. And I've had these years to truly fall in love with the Lord and to desire intimacy with him and relationship and his presence and his voice above a very beautiful and holy vocation on earth, but never above the universal vocation, the call to holiness. So I can relate to what you're saying about like never having your thing. I think I always thought my thing was something that was out of reach, but now I'm not really worried about it. I think my thing, my blue flame is Jesus, you know? (laughs) Totally. That's beautiful. So it's kind of like in big ways, how our lives seem to be different than what we kind of planned. Yeah. The obvious ones. Yes. Is there anything kind of smaller you can use as an example to kind of share like, I thought this would happen this way. Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, let's hear it. I think first and foremost, we don't typically anticipate suffering. So any kind of suffering that has come around has for the most part surprised me <laughs> in a different way. I never anticipated the joy of being an aunt to my five nieces and nephews. And I never anticipated the sorrow of losing one of them. So it's been really bittersweet and incredibly beautiful and more rich than I could have ever. Like I never would have known to ask for that. Hmm. You know what I mean? I never would have known to ask for those five, not so little anymore souls that make my life worth living truly. But I also never could have imagined the pain of, of losing my niece. Yeah. So I think even in that pain was an immense amount of beauty and love, which when it comes, the grief or the love is something I did not expect, still don't expect, but I'm so grateful for. Mm. How about you? I've talked about it before, but Mike suffering from anxiety was really hard and not something I ever thought of ever. Like when you're thinking about your vows, yeah, I always think of sickness and health as, oh, one day you'll have a cold <laughs> and you'll be super annoying, but yes. I'll try to make you chicken soup and take care of you. Wow. That's even, that's very generous. When I hear that vow, I think about like, what do you think about? Like Alzheimer's, like end of that's life That's what I mean. Sickness. That's really nice. I mean, I'm saying I was so naive mm. in what sickness actually meant. Well, I think it's naive to think that the first sickness is going to come in their like 70s or 80s. I see. I see. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I never anticipated mental illness being something that I'm signing up for when it comes to marriage. And we were married young, but I don't actually think that that would have mattered. I think no matter what, I wouldn't have thought about that. So that was quite surprising and a lot of suffering and a lot of tears and frustrations and I never got frustrated at the Lord about it. I always was just waiting for him to heal him. Whereas Mike did get really frustrated with the Lord. So that was also hard to balance different spiritualities, which I know is in any relationship, not even just a marriage. So that's definitely one. That's a big one, obviously. Gosh, but even just in that, okay. So there's the overarching, the big mental illness, anxiety attacks and how that affects your daily life, how that affects your relationship. But even what you said about how it affected his relationship with the Lord, that's another level of suffering that you wouldn't have anticipated. Right. It's so hard, but also so beautiful 
like you were saying, there is that other side. I know. There's the beauty in it too. And we have been able to, for the majority, get past his panic attacks. There's still an underlying anxiety disorder, but we're on the other side, you know, and and I'm trying to soak up Mm. this mountaintop moment. I talked about it once in a small group, how it was hard for me to be okay with being okay. It's hard for me to be okay with the good because I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for that to end. And one of my friends shared with me, you're high right now. You're in the good. Your consolation in this moment. Yeah. She said, this is your time that the Lord's pouring down grace on you, just filling you up for when that next suffering comes. Yeah. So you can get past that next suffering or or be in it with his grace because you've been sitting there just basking in it. That's actually, it's a tenet of Ignatian spirituality. St. Ignatius basically teaches that all consolation is simply meant to strengthen us Mm -hmm. for the next period of desolation. We don't do that. We get used to consolation, sort of the opposite of what you're saying (laughs) you do, but it's like we're really upset when we're not in consolation, whether that's you know, specifically in the spiritual life, but even in just like circumstances of our life, we're really angry and upset by suffering. Whereas Ignatius is saying, use the consolation for the times of desolation because they will in fact come again and again. Yeah. So that was really beautiful for me to keep in mind. I think this is one of the things that I love about being Catholic is that we don't shy away from the gift of suffering Mm -hmm. that at the front of every sanctuary is a crucifix. And it's not a fascination with gore. It's not a denial of the reality of the resurrection, but it's an openness to an acknowledgement of and an embracing, I think, of suffering. Because that's the example that Jesus gave. The crucifixion in all its gruesome detail is in every one of the gospels. And the resurrection is too, but the the resurrection account is pretty short, Mm, you know? Yeah. And we really, as a church, walk through, attempt to walk through the suffering of Jesus. And it's not something I love to pray with. Honestly, there are some people that have such a beautiful devotion to the Stations of the Cross or to the suffering of Jesus. When I was in Israel with my mom a few years ago, she had this incredible, intimate, experience with Jesus in the garden while we were literally in the garden of Gethsemane. And she is deeply devoted to the suffering Christ, particularly in the garden. And I think that's so moving. And I do hope and pray. And I think that it's a consolation. Ultimately, his suffering becomes Mm. a consolation to our suffering because we don't have a God who would sidestep suffering. You know, we don't have a God who seems like everything went great for and he just called in his legions of angels whenever he got into a pickle. We have a God who silently endured. (laughs) I'm still learning how to do that with him, not to prove anything to him, not to perform, but to be with him in it. You know, I I hesitate to talk about my five day again (laughs) because I'm honestly still processing so much of it, but I tend to sort of dread that natural build to the crucifixion that happens within the Ignatian spiritual exercises. I don't love to sit with the suffering Christ. Mm. It's too painful for me sometimes to face (laughs) or embrace my own suffering. And it's too painful. And I get so angry. A lot of stuff comes up when I'm faced with Jesus suffering. 
Totally. I think that that's normal to just want to gloss over it. Like, I feel like I braced myself through Holy Week, actually. But even in our own lives, I mean, I think it's normal to want to gloss over suffering or... Oh, gosh. Yeah. Or just be like, okay, let's get to the next thing, which I get. We want to get back to that consolation. Mm -hmm. I guess the idea of redemptive suffering has really helped me too. When I am suffering, to be able to offer it to the Lord and be like, I know that this is what you died for. And I'm going to unite this suffering to what you went through to ultimately make it work for good. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think for me this time, probably my favorite prayer period was to be with the suffering Christ. Mm. And it took a lot. It took a lot of ugliness and feelings. And I really wrestled through a lot of resistance to get to that place. But I feel like maybe for the first time, I found this sweet spot of being with the Lord in his suffering. So I don't know. I'm, I'm questioning everything. I'm questioning trying to get through suffering because I think I've been missing or I can miss the sweetness of it, the unity with Jesus. Yeah. So whether you're in a time of consolation or desolation, either spend that time soaking up that grace with the Lord. Mm. Or if it is desolation, know that you're being united so in such a beautiful, special way to the Lord. It's so simple. You're just not alone. Right. It's what it boils down to. Mountaintop, valley low. <laughs> yeah. You're not alone. Should we pray? Yeah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, we place ourselves in your presence because you are always present to us. I thank you for your precious love, your understanding. I just want to pray for the grace to just be with you, Mm. to just be with you, because that's all you want. That's all we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Great chatting with you, Beth. (laughs) Thanks, friend. You do. Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.